0: Do you think anybody given the choice to change their birthright, do you think they wouldn't? You think anybody could change bodies? You think Errol Flynn? You think he didn't want to be Cary Grant? You want some sexy, you wanna laugh. License to talk. <laughs> License to talk is sponsored by Goodspeeds Beverage Center. 2202 Seneca Street. They got seltzers, heavy beers, light beers. Stop in, quench your thirst. Tell Tommy to get up and help you get it out of the cooler. First in Buffalo, firemen owned and operated. 391 Abbott Road. Get your custom t-shirts, custom hats, get your custom gear at First in Buffalo. Mr. Submarine, 1977 South Park Avenue. Serving South Buffalo since 1963. Lowest prices in town. Try the ham sub and tell them license at talk sent you. Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve, 2182 Seneca Street. The rocket is stocked and ready to rock. They got all events going on on there. Check them out. You can do your private parties, etc. Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve. You gotta see the action there on Seneca Street. Vinyl Vibes. Check them out on the gram at Vinyl Vibes Buffalo. Vinyl stickers, decals, custom design, created by our boy Quails at Vinyl Vibes. Dog Ears Bookstore, 688 Abbott Road, South Buffalo's nonprofit bookstore. The money you spend goes to programs, get up off your ass, don't order from Amazon, and don't get your coffee from Timmy when you can get it from Tommy. Talti's Tavern, grand reopening, July 23rd, Marky. They're gonna have bands, the Talt's will be there. Check the results, Dennis, go have a wine with Dennis, have a laugh at Talti's, reopening July 23rd. Hey, baby, give me some juice. Charlie's Boatyard, 1111 Furman Boulevard. We're on lock, Beautiful patio, great sunset, unbelievable food. The service is great. Check them out over there at Charlie's Boatyard right on Furman. 1968 time and Greg, correct, John? Check, check, check.
1: Yes indeed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My father's Dumber Korean. What's that? No the, way! Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah.
0: Really? So I got the yearbook here. I'll show you in a second.
1: He's a great guy.
0: Oh, thanks. Oh, one of the best. We were buds. Yeah, that's what he said.
1: You know, we're also related.
0: We are. All right, save yeah, it. Yeah, there's it.
1: Koreans <laughs> on my side of the family.
0: All right, we'll have to save that. Okay, we'll we'll just get started then. Yeah, right.
1: Go for it. Okay. Yeah, my um. My uncle, Curly Korean, somehow, who was a beer truck driver for Simon Pure.
0: Wow. <laughs> it's funny uh, how it works.
1: He was somehow related to your family. Wow. He was like my, he was my mom's uncle. He was my great uncle.
0: Sure. Okay.
1: And, um, but I mean, we were there all the time. We were at his house. In fact, he used to do the marquee at the Shays buffalo and he used to sneak us into the movies as a family we'd wait in the alley and he'd open the side door and we'd slide in you know <laughs> wow because there wasn't a whole lot of money you know in those days
0: yeah the so,
1: sonica, yeah, Shays, yeah.
2: The sonica Shays? Yeah,
1: we were related and I'm, your dad and i kind of figured that out in high school because i'm you know i'm sure i just said do you know these Koreans?" you know
0: yeah so we'll have to we'll have when we start. I want you I want you to talk about that, and that's how we'll get started here. Basically, it's like uh, this is your life. We'll go down. We'll talk about your studio, uh, the places you've worked, teaching, and uh, we connect everything to Buffalo. So we could talk South Buffalo. We got a lot of listeners around the country and South Buffalo. So th- this will be great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can't say tell too many stories from South Buffalo. I no, 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 violating no. a lot of drugs. Yeah, and,
0: uh, no, definitely. Like you're working a yeah. business and stuff, and we're good buddies with Louis Mastillo, So if you got a Louis story, you know, we'll do that. And uh, he's always on the program. So uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have some fun today. Yeah.
2: Thanks well, again for uh, taking some time and the phone tag and and all that.
1: No, well, thanks for being interested. Oh
0: fuck yeah. <laughs> All right. All right we'll That's get great about your dad, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I you got know, the yearbook. I'm going to show you in a second. Uh, and you signed it.
1: You tell him I gave him a big hello. All uh, right.
0: Yeah. All right, Marky. Episode 66. We have John Gerard on the hotline. He's a 1968 grad from Bishop Timon. Started Gerard Studios in 1987. And we're told a Brooklyn pioneer. John, welcome to the program. Thank you. Now John I I'm going to start with this. I have the t- 1968 time and yearbook here that you signed. This is my father's right here. So that you signed under your name will well, just over your face. Oh, that was over the thing. Your, what, over bizarrely. your face they used to sign so it says dummer. It's been a funny 2 years together. Good luck John Gerard.
1: Yeah, your Classy. dad was very funny,
0: but I'm not. Th- I'm not. I'm not done yet. In the best memories, it says four years of sound sleep. So we knew we were on the same page right away, John. When we when we seen that, because we're kind of the we're the same. We were the same way. I well, my mother years.
1: always taught us that if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah, that was you know, the yeah. best thing I could say, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Other than making lifelong friends.
0: you know? Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah, you got the Beetlejuice treatment. That's what we call it when uh, someone gets mentioned three times. We're like, well, we got to make a phone call. And it's ironic <laughs> that you did like some prop. You did a furniture for a Beetlejuice.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we did. Uh, oh, you just said that, right? Yeah, we did stuff. for Beetlejuice.
0: So, John, how do you how do you go from 1968 and getting into the arts into in New York City? What takes you to New York City and Brooklyn?
1: Um, well, in terms of, you know, the schools I went to, because we went to Catholic schools um, and they never had art classes or lessons or anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was always doing that. So when I was pretending to take notes in class, I was always drawing in my notebooks and, Somehow I got it in my head. I wanted to do this thing. Right. And the more people told me I couldn't, you know, like get a trade, you know, that kind of thing, you know, back in the day, you know, that was a, my dad was an electrician. My grandfather was a millwright. All my uncles worked in trades, you know, my brother's an electrician. Um, but I, this guy, you know, I wanted to do this thing, even though I had no idea what this thing was or how to do it. Um, My friends seemed to respond sometimes to the things I drew, you know, the ones who knew I was doing it. It was kind of undercover. And I ended up going to UB. And I took a course at night. I was studying English lit. Books were a thing. Uh, You know, when when we were growing up, there was nothing in our room but a bed. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. the other thing there was, was books. Right. And I could go to the library and pick up a stack and, you know, as I was being banished to my bedroom for whatever last, last thing I did wrong, um, I would read a lot, you know, and it kind of opened up the world, you know, in the way that reading does right. You read about places and people and things that you have no clue about. Um, so I was studying English lit and I took a painting course at night from a guy, Walter Prachanik, who was a well-known Buffalo guy. He was born in Buffalo and he was a well-known artist, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, And he had a, so anyhow, I took this painting course at night and I did it for a year while I was doing my other studies. And I was also working the whole time. I was putting myself through college. And so I was always working as well. And at the end of the year, at the end of the second semester, he asked me if I had ever thought about going to art school. And I pretty much said only in my wildest dream. <laughs> and he said, well, there's no reason why you can't. If you're willing to work with me outside of school. Cause it was obvious that I had never had any training or anything. Right. Um, as in as fate would have it. I found out about a when I was in high school. I found out about um, Saturday art course at UB. I have no idea how I found. This. I used to deliver the papers, so maybe it was in the papers or something. Paper boy. Another yeah. paper
0: boy on the show. We, it, we yeah, I, that's all where I you was start.
1: Major paper boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah Ninety-five dailies, one hundred and twenty-five Sundays. <laughs> Everybody knows the count still, too. Especially in a Buffalo winter when you're schlepping all that around. Yeah. You know. um, so anyhow, I had, I took this course, and I don't even know. I guess I probably got the money from my parents, whatever it might have cost. But I used to take two buses to get there, to get to UB on Saturday mornings. And the guy who taught the course was this guy Walter Perchunik. Now all these other kids that were there were coming from schools that had, you know, they had art lessons. They were fluent in at least language of it, and I wasn't. And um, but I rem- he. Liked what I had done, you know, and then that was the end of that, right? You know, back to South Buffalo and that was it. Um, So then when I, when he said, would you do this? I had moved out of South Buffalo. I was living on the West side and I was living right off Elmwood Avenue. And as fate would have it once again, his studio was right around the corner from me. So he said, would you work with, would you be willing to work with me on this? uh, with me outside of school and which was amazing. This was a guy who was doing this on his own time, right? His own dime. You know what I mean? Right. That was getting nothing for it. Um, I said, absolutely. So I worked with him for about a year and he, as I was later to find out when I went to, when I got into art school, he was essentially giving me art projects, uh, and assignments the way he would in a class and I would fulfill them. Then I'd, he'd critique them, tell me what was wrong, what I could do better, blah blah blah. And then I'd go back and do them again. So between all everything else I was doing, and that at the end of the year I had maybe twelve pieces, right? Um, and I think the portfolio requirement was twenty. And I he said, "Okay, we're ready to apply." And I said, "I don't, you know, I got twelve pieces. Nine, I don't have 20. And he said, don't worry about it. 12 good ones are better than 20 Mm -hmm. not-so-good ones, right? Right. And I've always had a sneaking suspicion that he put his thumb on the scale for me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Because at that time, that class was pretty small, given the scope of UB's uh, student body, which was huge. They only took 75 students in the art department. So I got in. And I had similar experiences with other teachers there. They were super helpful and they were the first people in my life who kept say, who said to me, there's no reason why you can't do this. Right. You know, as long as you're willing to work at it, you know, and you're working hard and we can see that. So, so then I graduated and I wanted to get out of town. Me and Mike Dunneman went west we went it to to stay with a friend of ours, Huey O'Connor, all South Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and they, he, you know, they were in Portland. Huey was in Portland, Oregon, so that's why you know that was as far west as we could go without drowning. <laughs> so we went there, and I worked making custom furniture and stuff. I had done construction. I actually had like a little company when I was in school where we did painting and remodels and stuff like that. You know, me and friends, Wolf Powers. And, Franny Robinson, other guys, South Buffalo guys. Um, And I did that for a while. And then I got a job in an art gallery as a preparator, um, which essentially means you handle all the art, you install all the shows, you paint the walls, you set the lights, you pack stuff, you travel stuff, you drive truck. I used to drive art up and down the coast from Seattle to San Francisco. The grind. And those folks were equally as encouraging. And I got a studio out there and they went to the my boss at some point. Who, this was the biggest gallery in the state at the time. Um, it was called the Fountain Gallery. Arlene Schnitzer, God rest her soul, was a great lady, ran it. And uh, I started showing with them And then I decided. Well, well, one thing is, it was really far away from my family. Oh sure. And friends, you know. So like, if I wanted to come home, it was a big hookup, right? I had to get a couple weeks off work because you're not going to spend that money unless you're going to be able to spend some time. It's not like you come home for two days, you know. And uh, and like I say, I was still friends with everybody. You know what I mean? I think I don't know if that's unique to South Buffalo, but yeah. Friends to this day, sure, from back then, you know. Um, lots of them actually, or at least I think we're friends. (laughs) I guess you'd have to ask them, you know. It's a brotherhood,
0: Um, it really is. People don't understand it. And when they visit here, they're like, Wait a minute, you
1: guys know everybody? Like, we know everybody. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the reasons why you move out of there. (laughs) Many people, you know what I mean? Everybody knows who you are. Yeah, um, so. I thought I should, if I'm going to come back East, I'm going to go one place and that's New York. And I had hitchhiked to New York. Uh, I, I had been through New York twice, once on our way to Woodstock, uh, <laughs> where I made enough money in the steel plant up until that moment to go to Woodstock. And first we came, a bunch of us drove down to New York city and spent a uh, few days in times square having a ball, you know? There used to be a Taft Hotel, which was a South Buffalo guy I said, "Yeah, go to this hotel, man. It's great." <laughs> there was no and, guys out um,
2: there wearing a Spider Man costume, right? <laughs> At not that back time. Then. <laughs> not, then,
1: not then. No, it was uh, it was more wild and woolly. It was more fun, you know, I mean, yeah. especially yeah. when you're that age and everything. Um, and then I had me and another South Buffalo guy, Squince Jordan. I hear uh, that name a lot, <laughs> right? And we hitchhiked. We decided he came back from Vietnam and we hooked, you know, we saw each other right after he got back and he was talking about maybe getting out of town, seeing something, doing something. And I don't know how, but one night of, after some heavy drinking, we decided we were going to hitchhike to California. (laughs) And first we hitchhiked to New York city and spent about a week with Wolf Powers, who was going to school in New York on the Lower East Side. And it, and I, at that point I thought, I got to live here someday. I like this place. And then we did go to California and hitchhiked all around and came back. And, um, so then I just, I knew if I came to New York, if I needed to get home, I could drive back in eight hours. You know what I mean? Sure. So it, it worked out that way as well. And it also seems, you know, kind of a logical place to see if you can make a living creatively Um, because there's, there's, it's an industry here, you know? Yeah. Making
2: things a business isn't our thing around here.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'm glad to see that Buffalo seems like when I was a kid, there was the Albright Knox, which we had heard about and not necessarily ever gone to. Um, and that was about it. You know, as far as I knew, it didn't seem like there was an art scene or there was no one I could really talk to other than my teachers
2: who, who were your early that. influences and and then how did that change going through like art school
1: well the teachers walter brachanik was a big one seymour Drumlevich. there was a guy george smith another guy dave coppola who was actually a west side guy you know mm-hmm. um and so me and him hit it off because he was just another neighborhood guy just from a different neighborhood right. and he wasn't all that much older than me you know what i mean he was like probably in his i don't know late twenties, maybe 30 at most than I was, you know, in my early twenties. Cause I had, I was pretty much done with my English degree when I went into art school. Right. Um, they just were supportive and thought there's why not do this? You can do this. And you know, the, the people, I mean, family and friends and stuff, they just want you to be safe, warm,
2: Yeah. yeah. be
1: able to pay your rent. You know what I mean? It wasn't like people were saying, that's an evil thing to do. Or <laughs> they were just saying, can't you do it on the weekend? Can't you do it <laughs> at work? You know, uh, you know, I was working at Republic steel, putting myself through UB. So at night, so, uh,
2: what did you do at Republic? What was your job?
1: Whatever they assigned me to, you know, you're a white hat. And so I would pull hot steel. I'd be at the end of a saw, you know, or I'd be loading steel in the backyard. So in the summer, they the got the older guys would bump the young guys into the mill where it was three thousand degrees, and then in the winter they would bump you to the outside of the mill where it was zero degrees. Um, so it was that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, working with you know hooking up steel and all the stuff that can be. Done. I mean, that I mean, makes- all you know, this was not unusual. Um, I probably more than half of my friends all worked in the steel plant one time or another.
0: Sure. Right.
1: You know, if you, I mean the great thing about it was you could walk up, get a job and get paid a decent wage cause it was union work. So they had to pay you decent. Right. Uh, so that was pretty lucky. I think to be in a city like that at that time, because you, because a 19 year old kid or, a, I mean, I think the first time I worked in the plant, I was 17. You could make it, decent wage
0: you know well and then nowadays john that helps you with the hustle and the hard work your whole life kids don't understand now of working i i run a bar i can't even find a bar back in this neighborhood yeah i I hear that you you know know?
1: um we would it was there was no question we were gonna work Right, you had to work or you you got your ass kicked family like you know (laughs) i started delivering papers at 11 and i delivered I delivered the courier, so, and the, you know, guys were going to work seven o'clock in the morning those days, right? So a shift would be seven, three, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of shifts. So they want their paper is six so that they could take it to work. Yeah. So I was up at four thirty in the morning to deliver the paper, uh, Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday, Sunday, I could get up a little later, you know, like maybe six o'clock in the morning right. to deliver that paper, you know? And you know, I don't know that I liked it any better than any kid would, but you just—you just—I mean, that was just what you did. Yeah, right?
0: there's no no questions asked. And, right. And right. It, like I had a kid the other day. I'm going home to take a nap. I said, I'm glad I was brought up right. A <laughs> uh, nap. I got a two-year-old a nap. We ain't fucking nap in here. Yeah. yeah. So, I, don't ever say nap in front of me. I told him the other day.
1: You need- I used to be jealous of my friends who were hooked up in South Buffalo, who got like lifeguard jobs. Job. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, when you're when a was,
2: Sonica guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, I I was born in a Holy Family, you know. Uh huh. And I lived over there till like kindergarten or something. And my folks bought this house right over the border there, right in Harlem in Middle Spring, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, somehow we missed that boat. I don't understand. What
2: <laughs> no, happens. we're in the same thing. You know, we're, we're in we're, the same we weren't boat, the guys.
1: We weren't the yeah. Guys so I was working in a, at sixteen. I worked on an assembly line in the Bison Box Factory <laughs> in the summer at the Larkin Building, and I remember this clearly. You'd worked forty hours. I worked a forty-hour week, and I got a check for fifty bucks, and it was a. That would seem like a lot of money,
0: you know. Yeah,
1: and I'd go to the Deco and get myself a hamburger every day, you know, across the street and uh, on uh, Seneca there, right at Emsley. Mm-hmm.
0: Um.
1: So yeah, I do agree with that. I mean, ever. S- I just assume you're gonna work, right? Yeah. I mean and it, I've it never, seems like it seems like I've you know, using worked.
2: you using your hands and doing what you do, like now, it contributes to your job. It's
1: without question, and. The family I grew up in, in the neighborhood we grew up in, is like rarely did someone pay someone to do something. It's like if you didn't know how to do it, somebody in your family did, or your, uh, you know, the the neighbor did, you know what I mean? And you could swap labor. I remember, you know, my brother was born, we needed another bedroom, we built one in the attic. My grandfather, my dad poured the concrete driveway, you know, and (laughs) they bought this house out there because I'm sure it was cheaper to do it that way. Um, so we were always engaged like that. And I also, my mom's side of the family are Patterson's and it's a big family. Yeah. Uh, I was the oldest of 45 grandchildren. <laughs> uh, so there was always an uncle, uh, somebody who knew how to do something, you know what I mean? Like if you couldn't do this, they did know how to do it. And my dad being an electrician, he did a lot of electrical work for people. And consequently, there was a lot of swapped labor, you know.
0: Those Um, were the days, John.
1: Yeah, it was a good, you know, all in all, like I say, I'm sure I bitched like everybody else. (laughs) But you just did it. And also, I always liked the people I worked with. You met all kinds of people. The only time I really met people from outside of there was when I was on the job, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of opened me up to this idea that there were other people in the world, and other people in the city, and yeah. other parts of the city. You know, it's so right. funny
0: when you say that because they they still think that way here. It's uh, hilarious.
2: <laughs> exactly, <you laughs> yeah, and, there's a, and there there are a lot of handy people around here and whatever. But it seemed like you had—I'll uh, just say it—you had just had balls to go and do what you wanted
1: to do, huh? Yeah, I. I mean, I think a lot of us. I mean, there was no lack of ambition amongst a lot of people, I think. Oh, no, you know, without a doubt. I mean, the other thing is like, I'm, on, on my dad's side of the family. My grandfather was, came here from Italy when he was 16 years old never saw his family again, oh, wow. built a life on his own. So who, what I was going to pretend somehow, this was what I was doing was special. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, it was, and I, there were all kinds of kids like that. Meaning a lot of my friends, grandparents were not from here. You know, they were all from somewhere else, um, and in some cases, their parents. And that seemed very normal to me. It would have seemed very abnormal to me when somebody's family is here for forever. And I was like, really? Because I don't really know people like that. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, so, so, and it did, was kind of cool. Yeah.
2: So, how, how did you, um, like what, what, how did you make a demand for what you do?
1: Well, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> um i had a friend who was so i moved out west and we i was out there for about six and a half years or something and while i was out there i met all kinds of people and um i had a couple um courses i had to complete to get my degree and and the museum art school in portland was somehow connected to ub they had some shared programs so i could do that right and while i was there i met People in the art school, as well as people I met working and stuff, Um, and one of them is this guy, uh, a guy named Michael Curry, and so when I moved back here, me and him had worked out there. Sometimes I would, I would get him to work with me on like if I was going to San Francisco and had to unload all this art or something, he'd go down with me. We'd do all this install together and stuff. We became, you know, we worked well together. We became friends. So then, when I came to New York, uh, I got a job l- like day labor in this grad school. Well, no, essentially, I met somebody. I met out there says to me, "When you get to New York, look this guy up because he could maybe put you to work." And this guy was the head of facilities at a grad school here, right? And so I, and then, and just other than this girl I knew gave me her brother's phone number. He was in New York. So I called him He because he knew this guy. And he said, come on, let's go to this party, uh, and which was amazing. It was uptown across from Columbia in this building. Uh, this school was Union Theological and it was like a grad school for uh, religion. It's kind of like Columbia's theology grad school. And there was a party up on a roof deck. Took an elevator up into this room. These buildings were from uh, like a hundred years old. They were just gorgeous. And so we went up there, you know, and Fred walked over to the guy who was throwing this party and said something. The guy comes over and goes, are you looking for a job? I said, yeah, I had been in New York like two days. I was staying with some friends out in Brooklyn in a warehouse that they were in, you know, um, an old building they actually had bought and were renovating. So I took the job and through I just just through work and you know I started out doing this and then they promoted me to that and I got along with people I guess working all those jobs you kind of figure out how to get along with the people you work with you know um long story short I was there about I don't know somewhere between three and five months and they asked me and I knew about machines and stuff just because of the way I grew up you know um if I'd be interested in being the chief engineer <laughs> because this guy was leaving for a better job and Fake the guy it till who, you was, make it. <laughs> who was the chief engineer was moving up the ladder and he wanted me to stay, you know? And I said, really? <laughs> and they said, yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell you right up front, you know, I know how to fix this, that and the other thing, but, I ain't necessarily the chief engineer, you know? And they they said, well, look, we have uh, an engineer on retainer, like this engineering firm, right? Because these buildings were all landmark. So they they had to have a top shelf kind of operation to keep things up so they could keep that landmark status and the tax breaks and all of that. Um, So he said, are you willing to have an interview with this guy who's our engineer? you know, who's literally the engineering firm that runs this place, you know, keeps an eye on it for us other than the crew. Cause there was a union crew, 32 BJ, which is a huge union in New York, probably the biggest union. Um, and I, had, I was in the union at that point. So I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'll go meet this guy. I had nothing to lose, you know? Sure. Uh, so I, I went to his office and, We had a conversation, you know, he asked about blah, 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 blah. And then I was reading this book and he was asking me about the book and we kind of got on, you know, and that was that, no, you know, he didn't say nothing. I didn't say nothing. You know, I didn't really think all that much about it. I just went back home and, uh, my boss calls me in the next day and says, this guy says if we don't hire you, he's got a few other places he's going to recommend you for. And I said, so what does that mean? (laughs) He said, well, we're going to hire you if you want the job. And I said, sure. Because this killer apartment came with the job. The top terrace was was off the apartment. It was nuts. I had an elevator came right up into my apartment. It's like Wall Street. (laughs) It was like free, too. You know, that was even crazier, right? It's like I didn't have to pay rent, nothing. And I, so I took the job and spent a lot of time working with the guy so I would understand all the stuff, tapped into my dad, you know, and people who knew stuff. And, um, and it became kind of all-consuming, right, because there was 89 employees and, you know, 11 buildings to take care of, nine of which were landmarked. So for a while it was great because there was all this learning and the experience. And I made all these new friends. It was, uh, you know, right off of Harlem there. I met all these people in the neighborhood and we, we, it was good, you know, but then it was kind of like, are you going to make a move? And they gave me a studio too. They actually gave me a studio even before I got the job to, to say, Hey, we got this space up here. If you want to use that studio. Cause the guy knew I was an artist coming from this gallery, blah, blah, blah. Um, But then it was like, are you going to do this thing or what, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, that friend of mine came out. He came and visited me. Then he went back home. He got his wife and he moved to New York. And he's a very ambitious guy and very smart guy. He's designed stuff for the Olympics. I mean, he's got a huge company out west now. He went back west. But we started working. Uh, doing specialty finishes in places, building custom furniture, this, that, and the other thing. And it in New York at that time, in Brooklyn in particular. You didn't really. I mean, we. I had some money that I saved, you know. Um, I don't know. Maybe I had five thousand dollars or something I had saved. And um, what
0: year is this, John?
1: This is nineteen eighty.
0: Four? okay so you're gearing up for the studio in 87 so this is leading up to
1: what you're saying well yeah and so we get this place so we get it. we find some i don't know he comes up with this building he says let's go look at this building because i'm still working right mm-hmm. you know and he he's in moved to the city he's got an apartment him and his wife but he's not yet working a job or anything so he comes up with this building we go look at the building it's an old bank, like a way old bank, three stories um, and in rough shape, but good enough. You know, we're going to work in there as well as live. And no, it, this is hard to believe it was 625 bucks a month. Wow.
2: For the whole thing.
1: Three floors. And what's that? What what would it be nowadays? You yeah, think what is it now? Uh, is it a Chipotle it would right be now? <laughs> five <laughs> grand, maybe.
0: And you're still in there? Is that where you are right now? No, no, no. Oh, is it is a Chipotle? A whole other place. Tell me, yeah. Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, it's not a Chipotle now, is it?
1: <laughs> no, it's still there. And
0: okay. It's,
1: once it's now like these, our types are selling stuff out of there. You know. Okay. So we did like we put you know as well as we could. We fixed the plumbing. We put in some power. You know. And we could work and live in the space. And because it wasn't expensive, it gave us time to kind of build a business. Uh, We didn't, you know, have time to we didn't have to, like, be making money the first day. Um, And Michael is a pretty remarkable designer. Uh, He designs all kinds of puppetry, like giant things, like stuff, like I say, for the Olympics, for the, the, the before the parade stuff. Right. Yeah. And we started, and so then he convinced me to do the parades in New York. So one of the coolest things that happens in New York City is the Halloween parade. Yeah. It is hands down the most creative thing that happens in New York year in, year out. I've never even heard of it.
0: And and it goes under the radar because of the the Macy's and the things like that. But I've heard that
1: this is the gem, and especially for artists, correct? Totally. Because there's no it's not a money making thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's everybody doing this because they love to make stuff and make costumes and get together and have a party. And so they, you march through the city and you know, there's, I don't know how many, I mean, there's thousands of people in it and then there's millions of people watching it. Right. Um, so he convinced me we should do this and we did, and we had a ball and then, so then we would make it better. And the other thing was because the rent was reasonable when Halloween came, we could actually put work aside for a couple of weeks to focus on this. And so, you know, we had electronics involved and I mean, it was like all kinds of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. uh, lights and crazy casts. We were, we did a lot of, we still do now, but like got figured out how to use fiberglass and all these materials. We were casting things. So we made crazy costumes and, um, endless story <laughs> oh it's it's interesting yeah, as hell. we yeah. go it's really interesting we, there's another parade called the coney island parade right? now that's funny you say that because we're just we're just looking that up and a lot of
0: your stuff is kind of inspired from there is, is this true
1: well it's what's interesting is so the coney island parade is uh, was marched there was this guy simultaneously like New York was kind of down on its heels then I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, those are supposedly the bad old days and I'll tell you not from our point of view.
0: Right. In an artist, no way. Right.
1: It was like, are you kidding me? We could come like, I couldn't, I couldn't have come here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. thought that I could do what I'm doing. The mm-hmm. post Sex in the
2: City era. Yeah,
1: work. like I said, my landlord didn't care first month, last month. You got this month, we're good. You know, <laughs> now you got to have a down payment. You know what I mean? Right. <coughs> so this guy Dick Zigan, <laughs> great name, <laughs> came, yeah. And I think he 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 was up in Yale in theater or something. He comes to New York and gets a. a fascinated by Coney Island, which is not hard to do. It's my favorite place in New York, you know, um, and all, it's all whole, all old and honky tonk and there's the freak shows and mm-hmm. he starts to get engaged with that kind of bringing it up again, you know, getting artists to do all these hand painted signs. And he proposes this parade and then the parade is marched the closest uh, Saturday to the summer solstice. So I believe it might be this Saturday. Anyhow, we get in the parade. So at by this point, we're like renting flatbed trucks. And, you know, we know musicians. We got bands on them. <laughs> we got all this stuff going on. We, we engage our friends, you know, <clears throat> get liquored up and have them. A- <laughs> um, somebody walks up to us and says, hey, we're working on a show maybe you guys could work with this on some stuff and sure you know they gave us a card you know went on with the day had a ball um called them up went and had an interview and we ended it was the first show we worked on uh and it was Siegfried and Roy's initial thing in Vegas wow right mm-hmm. um they had just built the new theater for them and this, this this, woman who walked up to us, this young woman who walked up to us, she worked for a, a group called Parson Mears, which still exists, and they do Broadway costuming and stuff. So they were doing the costuming. And then there was going to be these, they wanted these kind of ha- props and puppets and all this other stuff, which we were kind of showing on this parade in our float. So long story short, we ended up working with them and we're off to the races. Wow, And uh, Michael then, his wife has a big family, and his family was back there. So it was kind of the the, the reason I came back east is the, they kind of went back west. You know what I mean? Right. And um, he's got a huge shop out there and does great stuff. He's a genius guy. Hardworking guy, too. Really hardworking guy. You know, his dad was, I think, a lumberjack. You know what I mean? Similar kind of background. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a yeah. steel plant, but. It was like roll your sleeves up, you know. Is this where all the
0: and I don't I don't want to say where all the scraps come in w- with your work? Like the t- I seen that you w- you still kind of use like tomato cans and the computer uh, rolled paper for some <laughs> of your props. Is that where this originates?
1: Well, it depends on what the thing needs to be. <laughs> yeah, so but sometimes I, it needs to look like that. And like right now, we're doing these candle carts for Hamilton. We've done. We've done all the Hamilton's. Right. Wow, that's um impressive. And they're gonna open again in September. Fingers knock on wood, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um so we're redoing there's all these electromagnetic candles that we cast the actual what would be the wax part, we cast all that and um and then it's all remote controlled, you know. Jeez. So it can be that kind of high end.
0: Yeah, right. Or or
1: whatever. It's whatever it's it's called for, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it's and great studio. If you guys ever get down here, you got to come visit. Us. Absolutely. Oh yeah. We're yeah, coming. We, I need, we need, I need to. to get you guys a couple drinks. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh,
2: but no, it, it's great that like, uh, just you like going out and expressing yourself was like how you got your job. It's crazy. You got to listen to Madonna sometimes, you know, <laughs>
1: I'll tell you, you know, he really convinced me too, because I don't know that that's my, I would have done that on my own. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Like that performative aspect. Um, but once we did it, it was so much fun. And then I just like, oh yeah, we're going to do this again. <laughs> um, the first year we did it, we got pulled into all these after hours clubs. I mean, I didn't get home the next morning until about 10 AM or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I thought, oh my God, how much fun was that? You know, We couldn't buy a <laughs> drink, you know? Right. Cause we were all in these crazy costumes and right. it was, it was great fun. Um, and it really wasn't as <clears throat> for both of us. I think we came up in a way where if you had a problem, you solved it. And if you didn't know how to do something, you learned how to do it. And I think that's, you know, served us well. I think we still do that. I, if I was to say anything we do here, it's, um, we take things from ideas from concept to reality, you
2: know? Sometimes you got to listen to Tom Petty and you don't back down. You <laughs> know? Well, yeah. We can keep doing this all day. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like. Uh, well, what well when
0: when you hit, when you hire Gerard Studios, this is the other thing I found out about you guys. You're in it for the work and you get John Gerard. You don't get 70 assistants. Is that oh, still no, the no. case yeah, yeah, today?
1: Yeah. Yes my partner in crime as well as business is Mary Creed, who's an incredibly talented artist who actually went through, uh, theater school and learned all that craft there. Like she was in business school at UVA and drifted over to the art, to the theater department and ended up becoming a scenic and a carpenter and a well, you know, all those things. Um, And we met through Michael on a job. He was doing a job. He was making a movie with Julie Taymor, who's a pretty famous filmmaker, (laughs) puppet maker, you know, as well. Um, And I was doing this toy fair, which we used to do. Um, And anyhow, I needed a painter. He was doing this other thing. I was doing a sculpt. He said, oh, I got just the person for you. And she roller skated through the studio door and... uh, (laughs) We've been pretty much together ever since. <laughs>
0: That's great. Yeah.
1: So um, so was you... so we both of us are knee deep in what we do. Plus, New York is full of talented people. Talented people. And we work with a lot of different people who have particular sets of skills. And you know who has what skills and who you can bring in. And um, so it's a collaborative a collaboration, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see myself as any different than anybody else who works here, quite frankly. It's, you know, whoever knows how to solve that problem, let's do it and let's teach each other how to do it. And right. Like we're doing a project right now for MoMA for an artist. Um, for a major exhibition in September. And it came through someone that I had worked with in the theater. I first met maybe 30 years ago in the back room of Parson mirrors, actually, she was dying fabric and, and, you know, we met and, um, anyhow, this artist had gotten hold of her to make all the, to, to print all these giant fabric. She has a print shop, you know, and then needed someone to put it all together. So we're putting together these giant fabric pieces that are like 17 by 22 feet that are going to be hung from s- scaffolding in the museum. That's, you know, custom-made scaveling that's six stories tall. Um, if we do anything, I think, if we have any small reputation, is that we do good work and it lasts. Oh,
0: well, that's right. good to hear, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm... And and we'll take, we'll pretty much do anything. <laughs> <laughs> the back of my shirt says, because this I used this line once and it brought the house down at a meeting, you go to these meetings, right? And it's a bid session and everyone is like touting what they've done. Right. And it's like, you know, (laughs) uh, and so when it got to me, it was Gerard studio. We make everything but money. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's great. And that's pretty much it. It's like, we ain't going to stop until it's done. Right. And if it takes more than it takes then that's what we have to do right are you um but good work can make you know it's just like in south buffalo right you do a good job you can be proud of that regardless you know Mm -hmm. right
0: are you aware of all the filmmaking going on in buffalo right now in this obviously shays you you probably love shays
1: yeah i mean i have because my whole family's still there right Mm -hmm. and so i do come back and and obviously my friends, I still have connections with everybody. So I do. I, I'm when I was OK. So during when the COVID first hit. Um, we determined we we were teaching. We also both teach. I teach at Parsons mm-hmm. and wow. Mary teaches at uh, Stern. And everything got shut down, including the teaching. Right. You couldn't go into the city. You couldn't go into a classroom. So I said, you know, my mom's house is empty. Let's go back there and we'll hang, spend some time with her. She's in the hospital. So, um, spend some time with her, um, and the family, you know, which we don't, I don't get to do enough of. And, uh, while we were there, I started reading about the mural projects in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And so I went out and cataloged them all and, wrote down where they were and took photos of them all and got totally impressed by that, you know? And at the time, I think I did, I cataloged 65 of them or something. Um, And I was glad to see that because I don't think Buffalo has any lack of creativity. Certainly it doesn't have any lack of industriousness. Um, It's just a matter of opportunity. And I always felt this way about South Buffalo as well Is I wish there was more kind of opportunity for... I mean, it's the funniest place I've ever been. And usually, <laughs> the characters. And, and usually, funny is smart, right? Yeah. yeah. That's Whoa, the way yeah. I've always looked at it, you know what I mean?
0: We'll have to send you our animated movie about Louis Mastello. Yeah. Because that yeah. we do all the old stories and, and things like Daddy Tells nicknames Us. Nicknames are hilarious. Yeah, yeah
1: nicknames. And, and I, I always thought there should be a place like Louis came, had to leave as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And it's just, I wish we could do it there. Or I wish that opportunity was there for people to, to know that they could do this thing. And even if they do go somewhere else, there would be a, a, a that would be the place that they could start this thing. You know what I mean? Like, uh Some kind of community art center or something. I mean, I feel like South Buffalo is it's off to itself and it's one side and has it has its own reputation. um, that isn't necessarily about how creative a place
2: (laughs) you have to see this the eyes we get when we're like, Yeah, we do a podcast, we make cartoons, we do stand up comedy. People are like, What are you doing?
0: And we're stuck here, John. So we got that's
2: kind of what you're saying. I'm here for twenty five years, so like we just gotta do what we're doing, you know. Yeah,
1: and I And because some of the, do you know Billy Shelkoff? Yeah, he's yeah, yeah.
2: great guitar player,
1: right? Um, Yeah, so we were in school together, and he was probably my first inspiration that I could do something. Because when we were in high school, he put a band together. Yeah. And that alone was like, what? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, we, we went to hear bands, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. We weren't the band, you yeah. know? <laughs> You know, you go to the band, and unfortunately, sometimes they'd be end up in a fight. But whatever, uh, <laughs> they tried, <laughs> right? But there should be, you know, we I don't know how you. that happens, but I, I just I think you. there's probably a lot of people in South Buffalo like yourselves who are really creative, and it would be great to have more opportunities for that creativity to be seen, well, the, and heard. Like what you're doing is a great thing because. By the fact that you're doing it means someone else says, maybe I can do that, too. Right. right. Yeah.
0: We always say the daycare center on McKinley, where we went to high school with, they should be more in the in the arts and uh, po- teaching kids how to podcast. And have they ever reached out to you to
2: come and talk or anything? No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't
1: necessarily have the greatest uh, relationship. Well, let's say, say what yeah, I went there for five West years. West I don't I have any relationship my parents wouldn't let me go because the fact that i wanted to go meant something was up.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're going to go to time and then maybe they'll beat some sense into you, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. You know what i mean? Um like i said the best thing about having gone there was the friends i made who Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Forever, you know. They're just forever. They're all friends.
2: tortured the same way, you know. <laughs> but, you know, all right, bringing it back like when you said you got your first commission from your uh your job was Was that when you were successful to yourself? Was it your first commission or was it like, wow, we got this? What was your next thing? And then like, now you're doing Hamilton. You know, it's
1: like, it seems like it's springboard. I still don't feel that way. No. Really? Yeah. Really? I still feel like there's more to do. I mean, I make, I make art of my own at the same time. Right. Right. Um, And, um, I wish I had more time. You know, you wish you had more time for me. There's not enough hours in the day.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, I don't think you ever lose that. You know, I mean, there's always the next thing. It's like every time we do a job, I feel like it informs the next job. So it isn't so much like, Oh, great. Look at that. It's like, put that aside and what's the next thing. What's up next, you know?
2: Sean Connor says you have a great story about uh, the the donkey uh, in the Book of Mormon going overseas. I, I, something about that they 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 couldn't ship one of your pieces and you had to contact them to that's
1: how you made it and
2: I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't
1: remember it clearly, but yeah, the um, when did, what year was that Book of Mormon? But yeah, I mean, I'm just you guys. Well, you made after the dogs, after right? 9-11 shipping stuff became wacky. Really? Because up until then, it was pretty common. You know what I mean? You just threw something in a crate. And yeah. Off it went. But then they had to open everything up. Right. And the people opening it up, <laughs> they're expecting to see, you know, canned goods or a boy, you know, a, a, a compressor or something. And whatever you're doing is in that box, you know? Uh, and that probably was what would boil down to is somebody being startled, like oh, desiccated donkey <laughs> with a <the> life size <laughs> rib sticking out of it. If you've, you've been on the website, you saw that. Right. Yeah. 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 So it, it's a sight, you know, um, we worked a similar kind of thing is we worked uh, in London Uh, For a while, like over two years, we were there maybe five times. And each time we went over, we would bring stuff that we had made here over there. And to avoid cost and stuff, we would stuff it in suitcases, right? And so every time we got to customs, they put these things through the x-ray and there'd be some crazy thing in there. (laughs) and they'd say okay could you come with us please you know and they'd walk us into a place that shut the door and open the luggage and you know and then we would tell them oh no we would show them what we were doing like we cast these masks and so they in because industrial resin has a uh, a bit of metal in it you know residue kind of yeah it would come up that you would see these crazy faces in these luggage right and so they were like, what is up with this? Because you're claiming, oh, yeah, it's just my clothes, you know. <laughs> and uh, so when they pull us aside and then we would tell them and they go, "We get, oh, no, no, we're artists. And they go, oh, artists and decorators. Okay, go ahead. You know, like that. Uh, but, yeah, that can get, like I say, prior to that, you just box things up, whatever you wrote on the sheet. They went along with it, you know, Dead but now they would wasn't have to cool. open stuff up as, which makes sense, mm-hmm. especially, you know, it's going on a plane or a ship, whatever. Um, but it, so they come, they would come across things like this and I'm sure that's what the donkey, I don't remember <laughs> specifically, but like what the, Oh, well, you can imagine if you open that up and you saw yeah. that donkey, like
2: what? Well, Jim's just glad you mentioned nine eleven before him.
0: Uh, I well, I always say nine eleven <laughs> did change everything, and, it, and you just back me up every time. I mean, from the simplest things to the craziest things, r- right there.
1: Yeah, that was that was a crazy moment. We had a lot of work at the top of the World Trade. Really? Yeah, we did a lot of work for the Windows on the World. Oh, okay, wow. I've was, seen that. Yeah, and um, that. Yeah, that was pretty nutty. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to go to a meeting there. I don't know if this is boring, but... No. I was supposed to go to a meeting on the 110th floor that morning. Wow. And a guy had called the day before this architectural firm we worked with. And he said, David, who was the name of the guy who own windows on the world. He wants some more work from you guys. And he kind of explained to me what it was, you know, it fits in with their architectural plans, whatever. And, um, I said, do I need to come to the meeting? Cause it means I got to leave Brooklyn, go to New York, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, no, he knows, you know, he knows you, he knows what he wants, or at least he's good. Just let's we can do it this way. And I said, okay no problem. And then that morning that happened.
0: That's crazy.
1: And a lot of people that I would have been in that meeting with did not get out of that building. Wow. And the architect, because the way those meetings work is you have like the building staff, contractors, uh, people, vendors like us, people providing stuff. And then the architect and the architect usually says what they want. And then they leave and the rest of you hang around and figure out, okay, how are we going to do this? And when are we going to do this? And where can we park? And how can we unload? And all of which we had done other times was, it's, it was just a lot of steps to go through. So the guy who had called me the day before and went to the meeting, the architect, he walked out of the meeting, got on the elevator, he got to the 78th floor and the plane hit the building. Wow. And it took him two and a half hours to get down the stairs because the firefighters were coming up and, um, there was only one, you know, and they were bringing people down and it was just nuts. And so the folks who were just vacating the building were shuffling down one side of the steps, you know, in the, in the, uh, stairwells. Um, and he, as he got out of there and he, and, you know, they got to the bottom and the cops said, run. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, easy enough to do when you're, you can imagine how hype people were. And they got, he got about three, four blocks away and the building collapsed. Wow. Um, yeah, that was, My... Mary's, Mary's brothers of, you know, was a lifelong firefighter. He lost Countless. endless guys yeah. from his house and. Because uh, he was in Brooklyn, and they were the first people on the scene because they went through the tunnel, you know. Yeah. And he just happened to be—I can't remember. He—he he was assigned to another house or something f- for a moment, and that was the only reason he avoided that. And um, that's just yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. My uh, my father—he uh, worked for his federal government. Right, right, right. And, and that day, he was late. And my mom, we said, "Well, we're gonna wait for your father to have dinner." It was like seven o'clock, and uh, I said, well, what do you think, Dad?" He goes, "Can I eat my steak first?" <laughs> so he ate the steak, put his utensils down, and goes, "Life as you know it has just changed." Yeah. In a pretty pretty wild day, you know.
1: Yeah, and it certainly changed everything in New York, which was. Pretty wide open till then. Yeah, I mean there was almost no place you couldn't go. You just couldn't just walk in and walk around. And yeah, um, and you know when you,
0: t- you talk about New York City, how how it's grown since that day, is it is Brooklyn one of the last non corporate parts of the city? You know
1: what I'm trying to say by that? How is no. Brooklyn? Because I I don't know, <laughs> I, don't know Brooklyn. huge. I don't know Brooklyn. I don't know Brooklyn a lot. Um, there are still some neighborhoods that you know, or industrial where there's, they're in transition, um, like Bushwick, we're in Red Hook. Mm-hmm. And when I first started working down here, there was nothing down here, you know, because uh, we lived in right on the cusp between Brooklyn and Carroll gardens. And so when we needed space, There was all these huge warehouses because this is where people unloaded everything, put it on train cars, took it over the Brooklyn Bridge. The building I'm in right now, this where this place was Hmm. built in 1886 and it opened simultaneous with the Brooklyn Bridge and the ships, the Manhattan side of New York where everyone had to dock then because that's where people were. So you would unload there. They constantly had to dredge that because as the Hudson comes you know comes down from upstate is full of silt pulling all this dirt and then when it runs into the open water of the harbor it slows right down and everything falls out and fills the harbor so they or fills the that side of manhattan so they would have to dig it out whereas where we are here in brooklyn you could still pull an ocean liner up here Mm -hmm. it's that deep uh we're right across the street from the Statue of Liberty. That's why you guys got to come here.
2: We got to go. Did you see a lot of guys come in and out of New York City trying to make it? And, like, who are the guys that stayed, you know?
1: Uh, most, of, like, so friends have come, you know? Yeah. Squints Jordan lives here. Michael Dunneman lived here um, for a long time before he retired to Florida, essentially. Um, I guess, you know, I made friends with a lot of guys who born and bred in new york right Mm -hmm. so so on this that first job i had i met all these guys this company that was doing all this moving at the place was uh full of musicians so i met all these jazz musicians and they're still here you know playing yeah that's awesome going through life um new york is i mean even even if you just you know aren't necessarily doing something artsy-fartsy or whatever. It's a great place to live. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I have buddies that just are like, I can't live anywhere else. I have a buddy that lives in Brooklyn. It's it's
1: really fun, you know, and uh, I was a lifelong Yankee fan, so... Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and as I met, you know, one of the guys, one of the musicians I met was a lifelong Yankee fan. Me and him got season tickets in 1994 for next to nothing yeah. and went to every World Series. You know, when I was a kid, I was hoping to go to one game. Right. And I I was in six World Series. And um, wow. I keep thinking we're, <laughs> you know, Mary keeps saying, we should move, you know, to the country or something. And I'm like. Terrified of the idea Don't tell <laughs> me. <him. laughs> really I can't. I can't get a cup of coffee The newspaper You know I can't get a Walk at mid- midnight and
2: something's going on
0: <laughs> I, I want to I end on this John um Puppeteer And working with puppets Obviously you, you look at like uh, A lot of the sets like Lucas And uh, Jim Henson uh, It's been big The Muppet Show has made a huge Comeback now How does that affect your mind going as an artist? Are we going to start seeing more puppets because of this? Uh, I I don't want to say this genre is coming back all of a sudden, it
1: seems. No, I think you're right. I think when uh, things, you know, that pendulum swings. Mm -hmm. And I do think when one thing becomes popular, people are trying to figure out ways for it to be popular and, you know, in another way. I mean, it's interesting because on Broadway for most of these big shows, they have the money to do high technology and they do, but there's also the request like that we might get to make hand puppets mm-hmm. because it adds another level of interest. Yeah. Yeah. And humanity in a way, you know, cause it isn't some kind of giant machine, you know? Um, The other thing about there's always the whole off-Broadway world and the off-off-off-Broadway world is really where a lot of stuff is generated. Um, You have young people coming in. They get together as a group. uh, They create a company. They find a space. They write a show. They put their talents together. And they create things that then end up, can not end up, going as far as Broadway or at least influencing things that then head to the big stage. Now the, the one drawback of Broadway is it costs so much money that people are going to take fewer chances, I think, because mm-hmm. the investment is so huge, right? Um, I think an interesting thing that we could see happen here is You know Lin Manuel Miranda, the guy who wrote Hamilton, right? Mm -hmm. So his first show was in the Heights, and he wrote that show back, I think, like ninety five or something, um, or at least that's when he started. And I I I can't I don't have the dates complete, but it was on Broadway in I don't in the two thousands, you know, right? And it it won musical. you know best musical but it only lasted i think maybe a little more than two years and essentially it's interesting because that was the first neighborhood i lived in in new york was washington heights um but it was it was the kind of show that was so new york centric that i think new yorkers had an interest but i don't think it's the kind of show that somebody coming from outside of New York, who wants to go home and say, I saw Phantom, I saw... Yeah, it doesn't travel. Yeah. And so it, you know, it's like I say, it was top shelf, um, but it didn't last a long time. Now that he's made this movie of it... Right. And it's going to generate an audience, I would not be surprised to see that come back to Broadway. Yeah, (laughs) it's coming to Shays. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's going to be that yeah. audience you know right it, you're going to expand it so the way audiences are built is interesting too you know um we did the producers oh, uh,
0: brooks, and that was huh? another
1: successful show we now, did you know, do you get to meet groups? mel brooks oh yeah wow.
0: so uh, <laughs> you got to take me so there much
1: In know you know any kind of formal way right <laughs> great story about him uh that was mary's story really but i'll tell it um <laughs> So famous people are famous people. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they're, you know, a bit aloof or you're just one of the herd, you know. And then there are people who are total mensches, as we would say. (laughs) (laughs) And we made a ton of stuff for the producers, endless stuff. And we made all this trick stuff, showgirl tanks that shot. Streamers out the barrel we made all the pigeon puppets
2: then what we about the hitlers the, was there that the we made all that we oh really yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah i we worked during guys. that i worked
1: that yeah. that was awesome yeah the puppet army we made yeah. them so you're in it you raise your leg and everybody raises their leg you know? <sighs> so when as you're getting closer to that opening day and everything is showing up on stage as you might imagine it's hectic there's a ton of people um you know, the place is just wild. All kinds of stuff getting done, stuff flying around. So Mary took in, I think, the tanks, which we made out of foam and a spring steel frame, and they were beautifully painted, and and they didn't weigh anything because people had to wear them. So we had, you know, we that's one of the things we do, right, is, is we know materials enough to do something ergonomically so that someone can actually wear it. I mean, if, if something is very uncomfortable. The actor will do their job, but that's it. If something's very comfortable, then you get a performance, you know? Right.
2: It's got to be durable. It's got to be all those things. That's Probably all experience. And
1: the actor has to be into it, you know? Because sometimes we put people in the, you know, 15 foot tall, uh, costumes. You know what I mean? Um, so anyhow, Mary takes these tanks in and she goes in, you know, they, they, bring them in drop them on the stage she goes in to make sure they see what that's there, touch base with the prop person and like i say it's kind of mad so she heads out to the elevator to go back down you know go back to the car and mel brooks follows her out to the elevators and says did you make that stuff <laughs> <laughs> and she said yeah and he goes I can't thank you enough. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: He Man. seems like a really nice guy. A legend. It, yeah, yeah, you
1: know what I'm saying? It don't hurt to be nice, right? No, yeah. it takes nothing. <laughs>
0: well, speaking of nice, John, what what a time to spend a se- uh, Tuesday afternoon talking to you, uh, a, a fellow Time and Tiger, a South Buffalonian and uh, really down to earth. I love watching people from afar and then getting to meet them and your work ethic
1: is unbelievable. Well, same with you guys. I mean, congratulations on what you're doing and I think it's great that you're doing it there and I think you'll be inspiring all kinds of other people to do stuff that we don't. You know, we really, even when we have an idea in our head that maybe I'd like to do that, somebody's got to give us a push.
0: Right. Or somebody's
1: got to make it real, you know? Well, we
0: we can't wait. Well, we'll come out to new york us 2 us 3 and louis will have some beers absolutely and, right? absolutely but uh john gerard you are now licensed to talk thank you so much
1: thank you guys i appreciate it hope i wasn't too boring no oh, you were great, great john no, thank you for, a lot.
0: thank you so much yeah
2: hopefully hopefully we we asked the right questions i'm not
0: <laughs> say hey to
2: your parents for me oh, i will absolutely for sure
0: thank you all right we'll be Take in touch Bye-bye. Bye-bye. bye 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 bye